Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Lady Doc Podcast, which is now on Apple Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Meggie Smith, and I am a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist, and I practice in the great city of Nashville, Tennessee. I started this podcast to help demystify a lot of aspects of our healthcare system. So hopefully, the next time you go to the doctor, you have a more productive visit. In addition, I really wanted to share other people's healthcare experiences because I think this helps us put a framework and context around what we might be facing. For instance, when I share my egg freezing story with um, friends who are about to undergo IVF, it gives them a framework of what's about to happen to them. And I hope this helps you um, do that in some way, whether you're hearing from a patient or a practitioner, um, hopefully this can help you make the best use of your time at the doctor next time. Of note, this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. It's meant to be purely educational. Any and all questions related to your own health should be related to your healthcare team. Today, I speak with physical therapist Kathleen Gassner. I got to know Kathleen how I've gotten to know most all of my friends these days, and that's through the internet, specifically social media. Kathleen is a physical therapist at Custom PT in New York City, which caters to runners of all abilities, including, you know, an avid hobby jogger like myself. I have several friends looking at Dr. Abby, Dr. Amanda, in addition to Kathleen, who are physical therapists. And I can truly say that aside from strength training, regular physical therapy has really kept me running. Actually, just sort of as an aside, when I was in residency, my health insurance was wonderful and I got, um, I can't remember, I think it was up to 20 visits per year covered uh, with a physical therapist. So I was able to go before anything hurt me and have it covered by insurance, which was wonderful. And I wish more insurance plans did that. And we do talk a little bit about how her practice deals with insurance. Aside from her own work with runners, Kathleen had a baby about eight months ago, and we talk about her experience with pelvic floor physical therapy and what getting back to running after a baby has been like. So just so you guys know, we did have some connection issues during our call, and I tried to edit, but the program kept quitting on me. And I have to be completely honest, I have very little patience for anything that has that's anything technological. So just bear with me. Remember that I consider this to be sort of community theater of podcast. Um, So you can go and listen to many podcasts with beautiful, perfect audio, but this is not that podcast. Hopefully though, the information is useful to you. Okay, enough of me talking. Please join me in welcoming Kathleen and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is so exciting. I'm so excited to be here. I know. And I can't, I was trying to remember how we first connected on, and I know it was on social media and I just, I don't remember exactly how, do you? I do. So, uh, I feel like someone's running come. <laughs> yes. You some information, uh, for a client and we've been, uh, Instagram BFS ever since. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Allie Feller is someone who I, um, I've been connected to so many wonderful people through her. So I need to send her like a gift, um, to thank her for all the friends she's given me. Um, yes. 
But before we start, if you could just introduce yourself, um, you know, your name, where you're from, what you do, any fun facts you'd like to share. Um, so I am Kathleen, Kinner, also Kathleen Leninger, if you're going by my maiden name. Uh, I'm a physical therapist at Custom Performance. We are located in Midtown Manhattan, and we specialize in treatment of runners and athletes uh, from, you know, the sub to the weekend warrior. Um, we are there for you. Um, I'm originally from New York, but I now live in the great state of Connecticut. Okay, so you're just up the road a bit. Yes. And commute in. I have to say, I've been even though I don't live in New York city, I live in Nashville. If you'd like to start a custom performance down here, just let me know. I will be client number one. Uh, I've been to your New York office and I think it's amazing. I didn't see you. I saw someone else and it was so comprehensive and wonderful and really, um, really helpful. Um, and I am not a sub elite or anything. I am firmly in the weekend warrior category and it was super useful. So tell me a little bit about, I know you've been at Custom for a bit, um, how you got into this space of like a pretty niche physical therapy um, practice, kind of what let you there and how, just kind of tell me a little bit about your practice. So um, Custom opened in the fall of 2014 by our director. The mission and the vision behind Custom was um, empowerment of people of all abilities through running. And she is a runner herself and really felt um, that airport needs a education in the city. I think we can go through the country to physical therapy. So um, that's how Custom was born been there we have I know I lost you for a second how about now I can hear you now yes okay um it's just been amazing um of the running community and uh other athletic communities in the city yeah I Totally and wholeheartedly agree. I think physical therapy is a very underutilized modality. I, at least as, as I think of it, you know, traditionally, I thought you mainly go when you get injured or you've had surgery. Um, as I've gotten older, I've realized that preventative physical therapy is such a powerful, powerful tool, whether you're a runner, tennis player. I, I'm pretty fortunate to have several friends who are physical therapists. So I feel like I got kind of a leg up in knowing to go to someone earlier than you think you need to. What um, kind of how do you see physical therapy potentially working into people's lives beyond just, you you know, when you're injured or when you've had surgery? Um, Is that sort of how you how you view physical therapy as well? Yeah. Really interesting. I think people that haven't been to physical therapy before exactly what you're saying. They see knee replacements, ACL surgeries, and those types of for the actual, I can't find it, in the 2000 medical study about the 
surgical interventions for patients that go to physical therapy regularly as a preventative uh, modality, exactly what you're saying. That it's something that we're starting to see more of, um, but really, even from an insurance perspective, you can spend so much less money in your lifetime if you stay injuries, if you the mechanics and, and almost the aging process of the body if you are an active participant in physical therapy. I completely agree. And I, you know, like re- just recently for me, I was running all happy and everything about a week ago and all of a sudden felt a tear, not a tear. I felt like a sharp pull in my right calf. So being the, you know, mature and um, <laughs> completely rational person that I am, I didn't freak out at all. Not, not at all. Um, but I did, you know, I have now made a physical therapy appointment and have not run on it, mainly knowing that a, I have torn the other calf before so my left side and that I don't want to repeat of that. That was not fun. Right. And second, you know, if I go to physical therapy now potentially can correct some sort of imbalance or strengthening or whatever it is that I need, um, before it becomes a huge issue and I'm out of the game for eight weeks. Exactly. And I think something that is really important. Um, previously, the the old, and I'm going to use 2000 as kind of the benchmark. So the uh, notion about physical therapy was, oh, I get injured, I go, they fix it, and I go back to my old life, right? But mm-hmm. we, now, we now know, and people are getting more educated, that the mechanical reason why that injury is happening. So you never want to go back to pre-PTU. You want to be better. You want to be stronger. So staying on top of it and even patients to see are patients that come in for well visits. Like, hey, let, let's just look at everything, see if there's any injuries or anywhere that I'm lacking. to. Oh, that's so smart. I never even thought of it that way, coming in as a well visit. My usual is when something just begins to hurt the eye. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Check all the time. That is so smart because potentially this would not have happened to me um, had I maybe had a well visit. Um, But because, I mean, I thought I was being very on top of it going right when something just begins to hurt. But that that is such good food for thought to go even before you're hurt or, you know, when you're when you're feeling good. Um, that's so interesting. And, and I think it's interesting too, that you mentioned that it's kind of like 2000 is sort of the cutoff. I, that was when I was in early high school, late middle school. And I, as I was running the other day and I stopped because it hurt, you know, I was thinking back to my youth, I was a gymnast and how it was just put some tape on it, suck it up. You're going to be okay. Whereas now I feel like hopefully that sort of shifted into, you need to, you need to take care of it. Um, and the other thing I really liked that you said was you can't go back to your pre PT self. I had never thought of it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And how much does in terms of, I know how much does like manual therapy versus strength training education, what would you say is the balance of that in your practice? Um, so I would say, you know, we're, we are out of network, um, within, so, one of the luxuries of that is we can spend a lot more time on both of those things. And Mm -hmm. depending on the, depending on the patient, um, 
I would say we're mostly 50-50. The other thing that is interesting is because we work with runners, more often than not, I have to say to runners, all right, slow down on the strength for a minute, or let's decrease the amount that you're doing your strength work in the week, which is very rare for physical therapists to (laughs) say that. Um, But, you know, a lot of times when people come in, at least for myself, depending on the injury, a lot of times the manual is really to treat the pain or to treat um, the actual uh, acute injury. And the strength is what we're really repairing the mechanics. So sometimes, you know, the manual, we may be working on your knee, but the strength is all for your hip or really all depending on what the, the, are, the mechanics and the functional um, evaluation. Uh, okay. That's good to know. Also, speaking of insurance, I, <laughs> is it, and don't even get me started on health insurance. I feel like I need to do a whole episode on health insurance. Yes, please is, do that. Yes. Um, in terms of, is it something that you could give your client a, like an, uh, um, something to submit to their insurance for then reimbursement? And they basically, they're the middleman. Um, if they have any coverage or how does that work in your office being that you're out of network with most providers? So um, we have an awesome insurance and billing team and they, they get all of the information at time for so they know uh, what they're responsible for. And honestly, as you know, it's very different, not even insurance to insurance, but plan to plan. Uh, yes. Sometimes we're able to submit it and it's not a problem at all. Sometimes um, the client has to submit, we can submit letters. You know, I've done, there's been plenty of times where I've submitted uh, medical necessity letters or off of an orthopedist um, referral or a letter or something like that. The, the one thing that I will say, whether, you know, we're very fortunate at Custom that we have such a great team that will do it. But if people are seeking physical therapy at an out-of-patient office, make sure you do your homework because there's a lot of loopholes that you can get it covered. Uh, You just want to really be on top of it. I think that goes for anything in regards to your health insurance, to be honest. (laughs) There's so many loopholes or, you know, I recently had an iron infusion and it is interesting to me, you know, for instance, the infusion costs $3,000 itself, (laughs) the actual medication, um, which you, my health insurance covers a certain amount and I know it's because they're contracted with the, some other company that tells them it's worth this. And it's such it's, it's a, crazy. it's such, you have to have a PhD basically in it to understand it, but um, it is helpful to, I'm really glad you guys have a insurance and billing office because it is, it's you, it's also a, like a part-time job figuring out your health insurance and what's covered and not. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and speaking of like, when you're doing your homework about the insurance and the physical therapy, how do you, how would you recommend to someone to find a physical therapist um, for, you know, for whatever it is that they're looking for, whether it's running or post-injury or just they're having pain, um, you know, in their daily lives, how do you find the right physical therapist for you? So I have a a few theories behind this. If you have a doctor that you love, right? Mm -hmm. It could be, maybe you see an endocrinologist once every three years, endocrinologist, chances are they're going to align with a physical therapist or know a physical therapist that you would also 
uh, work well with. So I'm a big fan of having a team, right? You know, yeah, we, I work with, uh, specific orthopedists. I work with sports psychiatrists. I work with nutritionists. Favorite person on your team and ask them who they love is the best way to find that you feel like you can trust. The other thing is if you are a runner and you go into, into an office, you look around and there's all knee replacements or Medicare patients, you know, that's not the right fit for you. So the mm-hmm is, you know, do your research, look them up, see what their demographic is. If you're a dancer and it's all wrong, or if you're, you know, a dancer and it's people are only treating hands, that's a big thing. Like you can go into specialty. Um, You want to make sure that you're getting for what you specifically are needing. That's a really great point. I like that point as well about asking because asking someone on your favorite doctor, for instance, because you're right, you know, your endocrinologist may not have anything to do with why your hand is hurting or your shoulder. But if you like them so much as a physician, the chances that they will refer you to someone who's in a similar mindset as, as them or how they practice is a really good point. Um, yeah, I so, think and that's not something I would have thought of. <laughs> I, I think, um, I don't know if you see that as medicine has changed, everyone is a specialist, right? Like everyone has their specialty. And it's so great because people are more educated. Doctors are more educated than ever were before. But the problem is we lose the sense of treating the whole person. So mm-hmm. you end up having to make a bigger team to treat your whole body. So find your team members and and have them either know each other or be willing to work with each other it's a great way to build your network if you have doctors that already know each other that you trust absolutely oh and i i wholeheartedly agree i mean even within my own specialty there are certain things that i don't do or won't do because i think there is someone better Um, for instance, like endometriosis surgery, if it's a very extensive endometriosis case, I don't think I am the best. I can tell you that you need surgery, but I don't think I'm the best person to do your surgery. I want to refer you to someone who does endometriosis surgery multiple times a week, but it's that, you know, it's become so specialized that you do it's as a physician and practitioner, you do need to zoom out often and, Mm -hmm. and look at the big picture but it does help when the entire team aligns and that they know each other and can talk. It's much easier for me to connect with someone on my cell phone than call their office, try and get in touch with them. So that's, those are all like amazing points. And I'm definitely going to start going to physical therapy now for well visits. Um, (laughs) um, you know, and, um, so speaking of like beyond your own practice prior to custom, what were you doing within the physical therapy space? So I actually, it's very funny. I started um, in acute care and I fell in love with cardiothoracic surgery and working in the surgical ICU, which has the total opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Runners. That's Um, like getting people to dangle their feet from the bed and standing up. (laughs) It was, it's totally opposite. And I've been a runner, you know, all my life. And, and to be honest, actually I fell in love with physical therapy in fourth grade. 
but I always knew I wanted to be a physical therapist and I was always a runner. So when, um, when I was working this job, I loved this job and, and I was very passionate about it, but, uh, acute care jobs are fairly common. Uh, after a while of doing them, you know, they, they pretty much are the same. And I was working in, I had a, worked with a great team, but there wasn't really any room for growth for me. And then I to see custom on social media and I was like, Oh, let me, let me give this a shot. This should be interesting. And I mean, honestly, my second home. So I definitely belong wow. there. <laughs> and you knew you wanted to be a physical therapist in the fourth grade. So had a hip replacement and uh, she was starting physical therapy in the summer and I was going to fourth grade and her physical therapist would let me come into the back and work in the gym with her. And I loved that you could boss people around. So I was like, this is the perfect job for me. (laughs) (laughs) That that's good insight into your own, uh, into your own strengths and weaknesses. Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And was it the case when you went to, like, did you go straight from college to physical therapy school or did you work in between it all? So I, um, yeah, I went straight through. I applied as a freshman in college. I went to Seton Hall University and um, I always worked at a PT office from when I was 15. I got my first aid job um, and I would work there every summer. And physical therapy has been a huge part of my life. Uh, and running has been a huge part of my life. So it's great to finally see the two of them, uh, come together. I mean, it's just awesome. Also when your passion for, you know, your, your professional passion and a personal passion aligns. Um, I even, you know, while what I do is not directly related to exercise, a lot of my patients are very young and active and like to exercise. And it's, really, it's fun when we get to discuss that and how that plays into their really tolerating treatment. Um, I would say it becomes more of a, a, you know, how do we keep you active at certain points of your cycle when you can't do it? Or shouldn't, um, so you can still emotionally tolerate it. Um, so that's kind of, it's really fun when I get to use that side, you know, use that side of my life and bring it into my practice. Um, I'm sure, you know, we're seeing it more in my office and just in the running community in general, but um, it's something that you're going to be seeing even more and more. And you have the experience from your athletic passion, right. To, to support Mm -hmm. these women. Right. I mean, I think the main thing I try, you know, through IVF and pregnancy, the main thing I try and harp on is a, is it safe? you know, as long as it's safe for you to do, there's no reason not to do it. Um, be in, and as long as we're keeping you safe, what is fun for you. And as long as people have, you know, keep the safety in mind and whatever's fun for them, I really enjoy helping them stay active through treatment or through their pregnancy. I think it's a really important piece of a lot of people's lives. And it's, it's, you know, pregnant, I tell people a lot of time, pregnancy isn't a disease. You don't have to, you know, you're not, it's, definitely a lot on one's body, but it doesn't mean that you can't exercise. So um, now speaking of when patients get pregnant and come to custom, do they have like, do you guys work with a lot of pregnant runners or do you refer them to pelvic floor PT? How does that kind of go for you guys? So, uh, you you know, kind of like what you're saying, we're seeing them more and more. And honestly, um, 
I, my son is seven months old and I would say in the five months that I've been there prior to him being born, I probably saw eight, maybe eight um, people that were pregnant or going through IVF or trying to get pregnant. And I think because there is a larger number of women that are running semi-competitively or, you know, especially in New York, New York road runners competitively, we're seeing more and more of them and kind of what you're saying. Some of them that are already pregnant, some that are trying to get pregnant, but want to stay competitive and, and what that looks like. And it's interesting how it's kind of uh, become a, a niche within a niche of working with these women to make the best decisions for their health, for their baby's health, and also for their sanity. And, and sometimes those two things are hard to figure out. They're very hard to figure out. Yeah. It's, I mean, even as an obstetrician, you know, we don't get a ton of training in really in pelvic floors besides actual pathology prolapse, doing surgery for um, pelvic organ prolapse. We don't get a ton of training in how to rehabilitate it. I mean, we do know to send people to pelvic floor physical therapy, but in terms of how to keep everyone, you know, in pregnancy active besides, you know, beyond just if you have severe preeclampsia, you cannot, um, you know, it's not something we get a ton of training in. So it is something that I think is like you said, a niche within a niche. Yeah. Um, and then when you were pregnant, did you go to pelvic floor physical therapy? How did you find someone or what did you do? So generally what we, um, what we do with clients is we treat to a certain, right. Once it's, we can work a lot on pelvic girdle mechanics once mm-hmm. it's internal pelvic floor, then we, honestly, I would love, we have, we're growing that, again, that team. Um, we have a few different specialists that we refer to, and I would love to kind of continue my own education in doing that. I just, you know, don't have the time at the current moment. Um, <laughs> yes. But, so yeah. for me, I, you know, a blessing and a curse of knowing too much. I really, as soon as even before I was pregnant, I was really on top of pelvic floor training for myself. And then I really think that it's one of the reasons uh, working on my own pelvic floor program, one of the reasons I was able to run and stay active and have as good of a pregnancy as I did. My delivery um, was just a fabulous, fabulous experience. Um, and to your point, you know, I was in the hospital, I had a great doctor, I had a great delivery and, uh, one of the residents and, and I asked her about, you know, when, when this is my pelvic floor routine, like, when do you think I could start doing it again? I think it would really help me kind of, was like, whatever you think. And, and they were a great team, you know, but I think, right. It's not that, that they're not smart. A, they just, right. Know. You know, there's, yeah, there was a lack of information and training. Um, so we kind of start our program with clients. And then if we need further intervention, we have great um, physical therapists. And I actually have a great uh, OB that I refer to also in the city um, for further, if there's other issues, you know, if there's a constant mm-hmm. incontinence issue uh, or severe pain that we can't treat with our pelvic girdle, I would call it treatment plan. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. And what, speaking of your pelvic floor routine, what does that look like? How long does it take you? And when did you ultimately start it after you delivered your son? So um, I kind of 
really through trial and error and just reading some different articles, I worked on a lot of um, Kegels in a isometric way and a concentric way. So what I think is interesting, and I would love to know what you think about this, but um, everyone is really focused with Kegels on the contraction part. And I really tried to focus on as much contraction as well as the relaxation of the muscle. So I would, oh. do, I would do all these different kind of Pilates based um, movements, but also incorporating different Kegel holds, whether they be short holds or long holds and also relaxation portion of it. And I found even during labor, like I, I wanted to keep doing them. Like they, they helped me through labor. They helped me through contractions. And I kind of spoke to uh, the doctor the day after he was born, the day after my son was born. And I said, you know, I think it's kind of safe. And, and I almost feel the urge to do this. And after the resident couldn't answer, <laughs> the attending yeah. came in and he was like, yeah, sure. But let's, you know, let's keep it to a lower amount. And then, you know, in the next week, we'll kind of increase by a few. And then uh, right before I left, actually, my doctor, she wasn't there to deliver my son. She knows my background and my history. She came and she said, I trust you. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Yeah. So. yeah, exactly. That is exactly what I would say because I wouldn't even know how to instruct someone to um, relaxing, you, you know, enter, during a Kegel. And you're right. Most people think of it as the contraction, like of, of like holding your pee in type um, exactly. is how I, I would describe it, which um, as I've learned from my friend who is a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, Abby Bales, that's not always the most helpful or, you know, that's part of pelvic floor exercises, but not, you know, there's so much more than that. And I think that's what a lot of gynecologists, including myself, think of pelvic floor PT as that's, um, that's so, well, I'm glad your doctor was very honest (laughs) with you. And yeah. And so when did you start back running then after your son? Um, I started, I started at six weeks. Um, I started at six weeks and, and I really, you know, got the clearance from her to start and, and she, you know, she knows what I do. And she kind of said, just easy. And I built a run walk program. And uh, the other thing that I felt was really important, which I had done before was kind of walking and doing these pelvic holds. My feeling is, if you don't have the ability to have that pelvic floor strength while you're walking, you're certainly not going to have that strength while you're running. So that was a major part of my uh, return to run program. That absolutely makes sense. Um, that I, it sounds like you really created a great program for yourself and that's impressive to be back six weeks later. I know a lot of people do that, but I feel like many people say I did it and I felt like it was too early or something started hurting or I got injured. So it really speaks to, I think, um, I don't know, you know, you, you would probably have some good insight on this. Um, my feeling about it was, I think it went, I stayed exercising and running pretty late into my pregnancy Um, and I felt, I felt better moving than I did sitting down. Like I would, even though my runs were extremely slow and it was a run walk, it felt so much better on my body to move and to sit. I was very uncomfortable. So 
I also had strength a little bit longer into my pregnancy than someone that may have stopped or had to stop earlier. So it was easier for me to get back into it. But I took, I mean, I was, I took it very slow. I'm not, I ran two days a week for probably the first, I don't know, maybe eight to 12 weeks that I started back to running. And I mean, I, my mileage, I just started doing some six mile run a week. So it's just the fact that I wanted to get back out there and I didn't want to risk injury or pain that would sideline me. So being more conservative, I knew was going to be the best way to be able to keep doing what I wanted to do. Wow. You should really write all this down for some, for, <laughs> for a, write a book about this. Um, because I, you know, I don't feel like I hear this story very often, to be honest. I feel like all I really hear is either I came back too soon. Things started hurting. Um, but I think you had definitely had a leg up in knowing what was best for your body and then also keeping things very realistic, especially as you started to come back. Yeah. Um, so that's amazing. You definitely should, you know, write this all down for people. <laughs> um, and so I kind of wanted to go back. Um, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about your pregnancy or pelvic floor PT before we kind of go back to the, the running PT of it all? So, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's really funny to say, but you hear all these horror stories and everyone's so afraid and motherhood's so hard and delivery is so hard. And, and for anyone that is listening, that is pregnant or wants to be pregnant or thinking about being pregnant or new moms, they're not all bad stories. And I, I try to tell this to all my pregnant patients. Like we only hear the bad stuff. There's so many great stories. There's so many great delivery stories and, and new mom stories and don't be afraid of it and jump in with two feet. And honestly, I mean, my son was born on January 6th and it was by far the absolute best day of my life. So I cheer for every new mom, soon to be new mom out there. It's the, it's just the best. That's such a, I love that outlook on it. And you're, you're absolutely right. It's like Yelp review, Yelp reviews or Google reviews. Most people only tell you about the bad stuff. Exactly. Bad news travels much faster than good news. And there are so many people who have run through their pregnancies or active and come back like yourself and feel good. Yeah. Uh, so that's amazing. Now, sort of to go, um, to go back to your physical therapy practice, I, you mentioned something about telling runners to strength train less. And I feel like typically, as you said, you know, physical therapists are often getting runners to strength train. Do you think things like CrossFit or a lot of these strength training um, other classes, people are now doing too much or what, or is there some, or is that like a niche thing within New York city, which I could definitely see it being <laughs> New York runners, a strength train, maybe a little more robustly than others. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because now with COVID, right, all these classes you can do anywhere. So it is going to be interesting to see, you know, now Barry's you can basically do anywhere and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I think I say to my clients all the time, you have to earn the miles and if you haven't done your strength routine in four weeks and all of a sudden, you know, half marathon training is starting and it's week one and you decide you're going to try and make up for that time. So you're going to do your strength workout, you know, for the next six days and double the reps. 
that is not a good idea. <laughs> you are not going to make up for lost time. So I think if you can sit down and really figure out what your goals are, what you want to prioritize, maybe you love going to Barry's two days a week, three days a week, five days a week, whatever it is, but you still want to run. You just have to make sure that your plan is well balanced. Um, the thing that we see a lot is someone comes in for like an Achilles tendonitis and we tell them, all right, you're going to do these exercises three times a day. And they think, oh, if I do them six times a day, it'll be that much better. That's not always the case. So really mm. sitting down and understanding why your plan is built the way it is, uh, is a great way to kind of keep you honest and make you earn the miles or, you know, even if you're a cyclist or if you're a dancer or a tennis player, make you earn uh, the fun stuff. That I'm going to write that down, earn the miles. <laughs> I think I often, you know, I, I feel as though I'm an injury prone runner um, or just person. I don't know if that's from just my lifetime of athletics, but mm-hmm. thinking that, you know, I need, to, I started strength training regularly about a year ago. It's really kept me running. And I now find myself as I'm trying to ramp up towards marathon training, we'll see um, how that goes, you know, that things start to hurt or pop up and my strength training has sort of fallen by the wayside. So I'm going to write that down and keep that in mind as mileage starts to creep up and everything, assuming this calf, whatever, whatever has happened to my calf. Right. that, That will get fixed. I am sure we, we're going to work on that. That will get fixed. But yes. I think right. also for you, like, you know, working with like with Jess Mogul, right? You want to work with these people. It goes back to building your team. You don't want a strength coach that knows if you're a cyclist, you don't want a strength coach that doesn't know anything about a bicycle. You don't want a strength coach that knows nothing about running. So making sure that the people on your team understand your goals and know something about your goals is major. That is such a great point. And yes, Jess Movald mentioned her. She, I know she goes to you guys. She coaches me in both running and strength. Um, she is amazing. Um, and highly recommend her as a coach as well. Um, and how much of your practice, it seems like you do, not only do you fix people and help them get stronger as runners and run better. Are you involved in coaching runners as well? Yes. So we, um, we have always, we're all, all the, um, therapists, athletic trainers are RRCA certified. So we are all um, coaching certified. And one of the great things is that I'll have a client that comes in and maybe I see them for a hamstring strain and it's right before marathon season or right before their triathlon. And we just kind of are able to continue the relationship, which is great. And we have, you know, anyone can go to our website. We have tons of different coaching options uh, either for, you know, one off races or over time. And, and one of the things we learned with COVID is that virtual coaching uh, is great for us. So, yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of people in the New York City running community and I'm sure in, in other places where you pay a lot of money for a coach that doesn't consider, doesn't ask about your injury history, doesn't consider your injury history or says, this is what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. And they don't consider your lifestyle or like your strength routine or your past injuries. So one of the great things for us is that one, I usually have treated you for your past injury history. (laughs) And two, if I haven't, but you have a past injury history, I have a different understanding 
you know, of what that should mean for your actual training. And the other thing is we get people that come in, no joke, three weeks before the marathon that have these severe injuries. And, and we have to have the knowledge to train them to complete marathon, triathlon, half marathon, ultras, whatever, whatever it may be. So coaching is actually become and, and still grows. Uh, it's a big part of our practice. And to that end, how much of your practice is also being a therapist to people? <laughs> These days, a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, we all want to believe that we can, or not all of us, but a lot of us want to believe that we can train like a professional athlete. And I'm not going to say that it's easy to be a professional athlete because it certainly isn't, but it's really hard to want to train like a professional athlete and have a family and have COVID and have uh, a full-time job and have parents to take care of or whatever. So part of, part of what we do, um, and, it, and I think it's growing in other places in, in physical therapy also, is stress management techniques, um, energy availability, which is, you know, so hot right now. And there's so much that we're learning um, in different studies, but really getting people to understand what the stress is doing to their, to their physical and mental health. And um, it's something that I'm really proud that custom is, is trying to grow it. And we're really trying to be on the forefront of working with athletes on their physical and mental health. <laughs> yes. And I can attest that was on the custom performance um, intake forms. Oh, yeah. And it was the intake forms were actually very impressive. I felt as I was filling them out, it was much more than just where does it hurt? What are you looking for? It asked a lot of questions about the rest of my life, which I was must have been in a very honest mood at the time <laughs> and, and probably gave poor Megan Flynn way too much information. Um, but no, we honestly, it's so funny because people always say, Oh, I didn't want to fill it all out. We love the more I know, first of all, the less I have to waste time talking about that on your initial visit, because we really do read them beforehand. And the better I can make your program specifically for you, you know, so the more detail, the better always, always. Okay, that's it's same for me when patients come to me, it's super helpful to have all of this stuff, it does shorten the visit or shortens, doesn't shorten the visit. It shortens all the stuff I need to go through before we really dive into talking about treatment exactly. and, and everything. Um, and I actually really appreciated that they, I think there was a question on there definitely about who coaches you in running. Um, I think I gave permission to disclose all of my, anything to Jess. I was like, <laughs> she coaches me. She knows you can just disclose all of it to her too. I think she may have been my emergency contact rather than my mom. <laughs> um, but she'll probably tell her that. Um, but yeah, that's so I definitely, I even find this in myself. I don't compare myself often to professional runners because I know that's a lifestyle that's not anything like mine um, in terms of they get to nap every day, which I would right. love to be able to nap. But I actually find my, I think the hard thing for me is people who um, either work in a job where they can leave and go run in the middle of the day or where the, whether in the fitness space, just reminding myself that that is not my reality, that I still do a lot for what for what working a full-time job right. um, and being a physician, it's the comparison trap is, you know, you want to believe that you can, you're so right that you want to believe you can do 
what these other people are doing, but then reminding yourself, it's a lot to have a full-time job. I don't have a family, but I have two dogs. And, um, (laughs) you know, if I, you know, just because I can't run 50, 60 miles a week at my current level, that's not, it's not anything to scoff at, I guess. I'm kind of, I'm more of a 20 to 30 mile a week runner. (laughs) And and you never know. I mean, you know, we could talk about this forever, but you don't know. You really don't know how many people are being truthful about their mileage. That's why, you know, Strava, it's like a blessing and a curse. Yes. Um, but you can't compare because you don't really know what's going on in, behind people's Instagram and behind people's uh, Strava accounts. So making sure that you have balance within your own training and within your own life and, uh, you know, you're getting enough sleep, you're eating enough food, you're enjoying your life when you can it really will keep you healthier physically and mentally as an athlete, as a dancer, as a cyclist, as a runner, you know, as whoever you identify yourself to be. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I really would like you guys to open one in Nashville. So if you, <laughs> if you have any, you know, aspirations of growing outside of the New York City area, there is quite a robust running community here. So we will I, add it to the list. We will add, add it to the, the list. list. Okay, great. Yes. Fantastic. Well, are the, you know, are there anything, is there anything else you'd like to tell people about finding a physical therapist, um, getting to physical therapy, whether, I think one question a lot of people have is, do you need a physician referral? And I think that's often state to state dependent, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's very state to state. The other thing that a lot of insurance companies won't tell you is that it's also insurance by insurance. So there are states where um, direct access is open, but uh, maybe your insurance won't cover it. And again, with Medicare, uh, kind of a different animal. They don't always take, again, state by state, they don't always take um, direct access either. So make sure you are on top of your, you know, best advice for everything, be on top of your insurance. Um, <laughs> in New York State, basically, I'm going to make a general statement. Most of the East Coast um, is direct access. Uh, so we see, I mean, I, more often than not, I have people that come directly to me before seeing uh, a physician before going to, again, because we can be a gatekeeper of that. Here's an orthopedist, here's a podiatrist, uh, here's a gynecologist, endocrinologist. So um, direct access is alive and well in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. <laughs> Got, yes, it's in Tennessee as well. It's okay. um, direct access, which is really nice. Um, and I think, it lowers the barrier to care. Um, as a physician, I can get someone easily to write me a prescription for physical therapy if I needed to, but it, it, when you're not in the field, you know, it's, it can be quite, it can be a huge barrier to care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just kind of to close out, is there anything you would want, like any parting words or advice for people who are not sure if they need to go to physical therapy or how, you know, nervous about finding the right one, or if they go to one and they don't like them, is that a waste of time? Any, any sort of advice for people out there that are not, don't have a great, a physical therapist yet and want to get one? Um, I think uh, a well visit is never a bad idea. Um, and the other thing that I think is important, uh, which people don't realize is when you walk out of a PT office or any doctor's appointment at this point, um, you should have a really good sense either from a visual description or, you know, I always email after our visits. You should know what's going on. You should know what caused your injury. If you don't get that from a physical therapist, 
you should find someone else. Patient education uh, is a major, major part of physical therapy practice. Um, so I would, you know, take a chance, do your research, find somebody. But after your initial visit, if you don't understand why this happened to you, move on and try somebody else. Don't, you know, don't give it six weeks and, and nothing's been resolved. Yes, I I like I often tell people it's sort of like dating, finding a good doctor or whatever. Yes. Um, you not there's a lid to every pod, but that might, might not be the lid to your pod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's a that's an analogy I sometimes use. Uh, well, I just so appreciate all of your insight and everything. I feel like I learned a lot. And I mean, I'm going to now start going to well visits for PG. <laughs> so if anything, that was a huge um, something I really got from this conversation. I so appreciate you talking to me and I hope to meet you in person sometime I, soon. I know. It's so crazy. I feel like we already know each other, but. <laughs> right. Exactly. I know. It's, that's why I was like, how do, I was like, do I know her outside <laughs> in the real? But I mean, they're Jenny Donnelly. We're really good friends. Met through Allie as well. Never met her in person. I didn't yeah. meet Jess Mobold after I started training with her last summer. I don't think I met her until like October oh, so um, in person. I mean, it's also what COVID does to us, right? We can have friends. <laughs> Yeah, friends not- who, yeah, who are across the country. Exactly. Uh, yes. So, well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank and you. I this can't, podcast yes. is awesome. Oh, well, thank you. It's I, so awesome. You're doing a great I'm, job. Oh, thank you. I'm trying to, you know, it is low budget community theater uh, level. It's the, it's the non-professional athlete version of the podcast, but I'm trying to get better about saying, um, a lot. That's one <laughs> thing I've noticed when I've listened back and soon I'll learn how to edit. So that can hopefully help. <laughs> Uh, but, but until then I'll keep doing my thing and thank you so much for listening and sharing it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day and enjoy your son. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Kathleen for joining me. I really enjoyed talking to her and it's really motivated me to find a physical therapist here in Nashville. I am going to start training for a marathon, which is slightly terrifying, but I know just given my injury history, I will probably need a physical therapist to help me along the way. Actually, not probably, I definitely will. So maybe I'll keep you guys posted on trying to find a physical therapist. I also need to see a gynecologist and I'm the worst gynecologist in that that is like last on my list. Anyways, in exciting news, this podcast is now on Apple Podcasts, so you can leave a rating and review, which is what all of the podcasters ask for, so I figured I should do the same. So if you liked the show, enjoyed it, want to be on it, you can leave a rating and review. It would... I get, all the podcasters say it will really help me out. So I guess it would really help me out. I don't know. Um, anyways, what you can also do is just share the podcast with your family and friends who you think might benefit from it. Also, if you know how to edit podcasts and have patience for technology, please let me know because that is not me. And I just don't have the bandwidth after a work day to figure out editing know-how. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you learned something from these episodes. Again, if you have a story to share and would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.